Our next guest here on the WPTF Morning Show, Jones Angel. He is the voice of the Tar Heel Radio Network. Jones, uh, thanks for being with us once again on this Friday morning. Well, Rob, great to be with you again and excited to get back uh, into Keenan Stadium. First time this season to see the Tar Heels in Keenan coming off, of course, that exciting win uh, a week ago in Charlotte against South Carolina when the Tar Heels, I thought, played uh, really, really well, uh, particularly for those first three quarters. They they looked really good. So um, trying to build off that victory, certainly also trying to manage the disappointment from the Tez Walker decision and, and be able to move forward from that. And so a lot of storylines for Carolina coming up uh, tomorrow evening. Yeah, absolutely. For for our listeners that don't understand the, the whole Tez eligi- eligibility situation, can you kind of quickly explain how we got to this point? Yeah, I'll try to give you the, the thumbnail uh, version of it, and it's a little more nuanced and complicated than that, but I'll try to give you the basic answer, which is, uh, you know, the NCAA uh, has decided that it wants to crack down more on two-time undergraduate transfers. Um, they were allowing players to transfer much more freely through the transfer portal um, due to the COVID epidemic and, and how, it, uh, how it affected college athletics, how it affected students. Uh, and student-athletes, et cetera. Um, so I think in general, Rob, that, that's a good thing. I, I think um, trying to limit undergraduate transfers to just one school, so from going from one place to one other place before you graduate, I, I don't think is a negative thing. What has become the issue here with Tez, who began his career at North Carolina Central, um, the Central uh, season was canceled. He was unclear whether the next season would be played for North Carolina Central, again, all due to the COVID pandemic. Um, So he transferred to Kent State, uh, went to Kent State, was a terrific player there, and then elected to transfer to North Carolina. Tez is a Charlotte native. Uh, He has uh, some family issues, uh, particularly with his grandmother and her uh, wellness. Uh, She lives in Charlotte, um, so he wanted to move closer to his home state. He wanted to move closer to his family. Um, There were some mental health uh, issues there um, that uh, it was very important for Tez individually to come back closer to home. Um, So the NCAA, with this new crackdown, says, oh, nope, sorry, you've transferred twice. You can't do that. You've got to sit out a year. Um, And where the issue comes in for the Tar Heels is that, one, you've got the family issue. Two, the season was canceled, so Tez never actually played for two different places. He played for one school in Kent State, right? and he had enrolled and was at UNC before the rule changed. Yeah. And so all those things together uh, make this a little more of a nuanced conversation. Again, I think most people agree that trying to have some kind of regulation on two-time undergraduate transfers is a good thing, but there also has to be some common sense some flexibility, Rob. You can't just say, oh, this checks this box, then that's my decision. You have to be able to say, let me look at this individual situation and figure out what the best answer is in this individual situation, which uh, the Tar Heels do not feel like was accomplished. And that explains why Coach Mack Brown had a fiery reaction on social media, released a statement talking about how unbelievable this decision is, essentially saying that he doesn't trust the NCAA anymore. Uh, and, and a lot of people seem to uh, agree and, and kind of back up Coach Brown's statements. Uh, let's talk about the players that will be on the field tomorrow night. Home opener for the Tar Heels again. They're going to be taking on App State, uh, coming off that big win against South Carolina. Fill in the blank for me, Jones. Carolina will improve to 2-0 and if they do what? 
a lot of the same things they did last week, Rob. And that is, you know, they run the football effectively. They're physical on the offensive side. That's something Mac Brown talked a lot about this offseason that he wanted to see. And that physicality, particularly in the run game, transitioned to more efficiency in the red zone, which you saw from Carolina last week. The Heels were there four times, scored all four, including three touchdowns. And, and of course, also, that just opens up your entire offense. And when you've got somebody like Drake May, um, at the quarterback position, that that's a really exciting opportunity. Uh, the other part of that is the, the defensive side. And, Rob, we talked about it last week that Carolina has to, or I said that I felt like Carolina had to find a way to be more disruptive defensively to be able to take a step in, in that side of the ball. Yeah, And for them to have nine sacks in one game after having 17 all of last season in 14 games, right. and for them to have 16 tackles for loss in one game after having 51 all of last year through 14 games. Um, That's obviously an extreme improvement. Now, you don't expect those type of numbers every single week, but if you can still play with that level of intensity up front and and that level of disruption, and they stop the run so effectively, South Carolina minus two yards rushing, if you can do those type of things consistently, that's going to give you a great chance to win regardless of the opponent. And if you're playing good defense, uh, unlike last year when these two teams played, uh, 63-61 the final score last year when when Carolina played App, are are you expecting a a close barn burner like we had in 2022? Well, it's hard to expect that many points again. You know, that's the highest scoring game in in Carolina football history with with the two teams scored combined. And, And remember, the Tar Heels led that game by three scores. Yeah. going to the fourth quarter. And then that's the, the quarter where Appalachian scored 40 points in a quarter. Uh, Carolina ended up, I think, with 22 in that quarter. Um, so you're looking at, between the two teams, almost 500 yards and, and over 60 points. I mean, it was an extreme example. But but what that, that quarter and that game did was it really set the narrative and the tone for the Tar Heel defense for the season. And so uh, in that regard, Rob, no, I don't expect this to be a, a 65-63 or 63-61 type of game. Now, could it be a close game? Absolutely. These two teams have played twice, uh, 2019 and last season. They also played back in the 50s. But for our discussion, they've played twice here recently, and those two games were decided by a total of five points. So these have been competitive games. Um, Appalachian is a solid program. They are trying to get back heading in the right direction after a pretty middling year for them a season ago in total. They had a tough matchup where they trailed FCS opponent Gardner-Webb late in the third quarter last week. So they are trying to play better. The Tar Heels are trying to continue their quality play. There will be more App State fans in Keenan than a traditional road crowd just because the, the Mountaineers don't come here very often. They're excited, yeah. passionate. And that'll fire up the Tario fans. It'll be there in full voice as well, excited about what's going on with their team. So should be a great atmosphere and uh, should be a good football game. Cannot wait. Tomorrow night, uh, kickoff just after 5 o'clock tomorrow, and you can listen to Jones uh, call the game. Carolina and App State tomorrow night right here on WPTF and all other uh, affiliates of the Tar Heel Radio Network. Jones Angel, we appreciate you uh, joining us every Friday here on the WPTF Morning Show, and uh, we'll talk with you next week. Thanks, Rob. Looking forward to it.